happy, uh, warm greetings okay. to all the friends in Nashville. Well, the, I'm, um, I think I will go to Nashville within the next uh, two or three years. Okay. I come back to the, my, my second home city. Well, that, Nashville is. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna try. I want to try to be more in the loop with all the Magdeburg okay. stuff. Okay. So maybe okay. I'll see you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I give you my card. Okay. Yeah. Danke. Is that? So this is me talking to a guy named Rudiger Koch. Okay. Um, we were at this really cool bar in a small former East German city called Magdeburg. Uh-huh. Uh, Rudiger, in fact, used to be the mayor of Magdeburg. Ooh, la la. Super interesting guy mm-hmm. um, and has really important ties to Nashville, uh, which basically the reason I was there is I was doing some reporting in Germany for this thing called the Goethe Institute because Magdeburg is one of Nashville's sister cities. Okay. So um, tell me, what is a sister city? Well, I mean, you can kind of guess the generalities there, but we will get into that in great detail later, I promise. Okay. But I first, before we get there, I want to tell you about a crazy coincidence that happened to me this week that involves our sister city of Magdeburg. Okay. Well, I love coincidences. So go ahead. Tell me. Well, okay. So... Like on our website, we have this itty bitty little contact button uh-huh. that nobody can see and nobody ever uses. They always reach out some way, some way, other way. <laughs> anyway, somebody clicked that uh-huh. and contacted us uh, via that. Uh-huh. And uh, I got this email. Exciting. And I'm just going to read this email in its entirety. Okay. Here it goes. It says, Okay. Knock, knock, neighbors. Winky face emoji. Cute. Hi. Every time I am in the situation to refresh my English language. It's not my really mother tongue. This is German. I am 43 years and I live in Magdeburg, Germany. No way. And then uh-huh. it goes on to say, you know, Magdeburg, it's a sister city of Nashville. Magdeburg is the capital of Saxony Anhalt. And you're like, I know all about Magdeburg. Yes. And it gives like some basic like Wikipedia information about Magdeburg. Uh, and then here's the meat of the thing. It says... That brings me to the reason why I'm writing you. The best thing to do is listening, writing, and speaking. So I used the internet and I found your podcast. Listening and reading sounds good. That brings to a request. (laughs) Perhaps you know a neighbor, in quotes, in Nashville, which is interested in to write mail letters with me so I can train my English skills and on the other side, I can answer in German? Question mark. Uh, this is my oh. first step to your door, neighbor. The next step is yours. I would be happy in case that you answer me. Thank you for reading. Best greetings from the other side of the pond. And it's signed, Ingo. I-N-G-O. That is so cool. I love it. So what are you going to do? Yeah. It, and it's kind of, yeah, I feel like it's really courageous, too. Yeah, uh, totally. I immediately was like, yes. I gave a stranger on the internet my my address, and hopefully uh, that turns out well. <laughs> so many strangers on the internet have my information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess we're pen pals now. Uh huh. Um, and I and I think for me it's like, what are the chances? Because Magdeburg, sister city of Nashville, the only reason I know that is because the only big reporting trip I've ever done was going to Magdeburg as an official delegate from Nashville. And so I'm just super stoked. Yeah, it's it's too kismet, a perfect segue into learning all about 
sister cities and the sister city relationship between Nashville and Magdeburg. So let's go ahead and get started. I'm Jacob Lewis. And I'm Cariette Harmon. And you are listening to Neighbors. A show about what connects us. Today, we travel across the pond where Ingo is from and learn just what the heck a sister city is and how cultural exchange is full of both problems and joys. Just a quick note, this piece originally aired as part of the Big Pond series for the Goethe Institute in the year of German-American friendship in 2018 and 2019 under the motto, Wunderbar, Together. And... um... And then uh, he did, I hear the train is coming, it's rolling down the bend, and I ain't seen no sunshine since I don't know when. This is a large, booming man wearing a leather vest and smoking a pipe. His name is Heinrich Doc Wolf, and he's essentially the Johnny Cash of Germany. But I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging along. And, uh... So uh, he wrote that here, and his career is quite bound to Germany. I'm at a country music festival called Nashville Days. Only I'm not in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I'm from. Rather, I'm in a city in Germany called Magdeburg. The theme of Nashville Days this year is Johnny Cash. That means I heard Ring of Fire played six times by six different German bands. The festival itself is in an old Prussian fortress, complete with large brick vaulted Gothic arches. Outside, Heinrich Doc Wolf shows me his most prized possession, a massive red Cadillac he purchased in an auction from America. Yeah, sure, yeah, you can sit in there. All right. Oh man, those big heavy doors. This car used to belong to none other than Johnny Cash himself. That smell. (laughs) This is a boat. We call this a boat in America. Yeah, it is a boat. We call them, uh, we call American cars generally cruisers. Cruisers. Yeah, like uh, big ships, you know. And uh, now if you touch that steering wheel, you touch Johnny Cash. (laughs) And and your ass is on Johnny Cash's seat. That's rare, but... It, it's not really belonging to me. I'm just the ter- uh, caretaker, you know? That's how I feel. This exchange in this car is exactly why I'm here. Not specifically to sit in Johnny Cash's seat, but to have a person-to-person cultural exchange with someone from Magdeburg. That's because Magdeburg is one of Nashville's sister cities. The concept is to build a local-to-local relationship so that international relations is not reduced to just relationships between governments and their agendas, but can be a relationship really between people. This is Joel Dark. He's the chair of the Nashville-Magdeburg Partnership, at least on the Nashville side. You may have heard of sister cities before. Maybe your town has a few. Well, I got to experience what at least one partnership is like and visit Magdeburg as a part of an official delegation from Nashville. This whole idea of sister cities, the one that got me sitting in Johnny Cash's car on the other side of the Atlantic, it started over here in Europe in the late 1940s. So Europe, right after World War II, was in a tricky spot. There were countries who shared a border that were vitriolic enemies one day, 
And then with a flick of a pin, the world was suddenly supposed to be at peace again. Countries lay in ruins on both sides. Must have been disorienting. So how were they supposed to move on? Well, one of the ways Europe took up the mammoth task of making peace was by reviving an old tradition known as twinning. One city from one country would pair up or twin with another city in another country. In the 50s, Coventry, England twinned with Dresden, Germany. These were cities that lay in rubble because they bombed each other. But as twins, they would exchange students and professionals, send citizen delegations. They intentionally got to know one another and tried their best to be friends. This was a radical act of peace and reconciliation, and the idea caught on well beyond Europe. In the mid-50s, President Dwight D. Eisenhower gave an address at the White House. This was for a conference on citizen diplomacy. He's addressing America's role in the world almost a decade after the end of World War II. The purpose of this meeting is the most worthwhile purpose there is in the world today, to help build the road to peace. If we are going to take advantage of the assumption that all people want peace, then the problem is for people to get together. Eisenhower's solution was to start an official program to twin towns together, the People to People program. It grew and eventually became known as Sister Cities International. You may have seen these partnerships in towns you've lived in before, but what are they really? Culture has been probably the, and, and probably for most sister cities, is the, the main place of connection because that's kind of what's unique about a city. Culture is where most of these partnerships begin. Sometimes there's just one person in one city that has an affinity or affection for another part of the world and through friendships suggests the city. These partnerships really are people to people. Volunteers lead committees, plan trips and festivals. And typically these exchanges fall into four lanes. One, cultural. That's artist exchange programs, maybe a gallery swap or a cultural festival. Two, education. This is probably the real bread and butter of the Sister Cities program. High school and college students spend time in another country, usually staying in host family homes. The third lane is economic. Business leaders from similar industries might have a summit to exchange current issues and breakthroughs. Trade partnerships might be fostered and certain types of growth encouraged. And the last typical path for a partnership is political. City officials can go over to learn about how each government functions and get ideas for initiatives to better their cities. Now, I've lived in Nashville for 10 years, and I can tell you I had no idea we had a sister city. And in fact, we have seven. Cities in Canada, in Ireland, Japan, Argentina. But the Magdeburg partnership is probably their most robust exchange. The sister city relationship has existed for 15 years. So in some ways, the, the timing of your story is really good. Um, because we are kind of at a juncture where we're thinking, um, you know, the last 15 years has been amazing. And what can the next 15 years look like? Every sister city partnership is different. But I'll tell you the story of how this one developed. Joel says the Magdeburg relationship started because of an interest from a lawyer, a tall, broad-shouldered American fellow with white hair named Doug Berry. Some guys in my fraternity had gone to Germany on an exchange program and told me they had a good time. And I said, oh, I'm going to do that. So that was my uh, impetus and sort of fell in love with the language and culture. Doug is the former president of Sister Cities in Nashville. 
He went on several trips to Germany as a young man. Did a tour, and this is sort of how we got to Magdeburg, did a tour of Germany as a, as a uh, fellow of the John J. McCloy Foundation, where I went for the first time in the, to the former East Germany. Magdeburg, you understand, is in the former East Germany. Later, in the early 2000s, as Doug became president of Sister Cities in Nashville, he knew he wanted a partner with a German city. I thought it felt like a city in the former East Germany would be more interesting and culturally and in every other way, so that's what we did. Even though the choosing is done through the nonprofit of Sister Cities, to make it official, the Nashville government had to agree. Documents were signed, government officials of Nashville got together with those from Magdeburg, and one of those on the Magdeburg side was their vice mayor, a guy named Rudiger Koch. Doug just calls him Roger. And, and the question is, we, we, we can we get the people together, not only for the, for the, for the mayors and for the uh, politicians, but two for the people of both cities. On the Nashville Sister Cities website, there's a statement. Sister Cities of Nashville connects the people of Nashville to people of the world, promoting peace through mutual respect, understanding, and cooperation. One person, one community at a time. That leads directly toward what we all want, a true and lasting peace. Thank you very much for your Anyway, it's a pretty idea. I would say I, I, I think the goals of the organization are very idealistic, and I think that's a good thing. I, I don't have a, I'm over my cynical phase. At a time when America's general tone for diplomacy has shifted, what does Sister City's idealistic vision of peace look like really? Does it actually make a difference? Is it just a glorified trip club where well-to-do folks can drink wine in another country? Or is it the key to world peace? Well, I went to Magdeburg with my wife to find out. And once over there, we took a train. Germany is full of trains. And just like in New York or Chicago, there are street musicians entertaining passersby. Now, these aren't free ride trips. You typically have to pay your way there, which we did. But they try to make sure that your expenses are minimal once you're in the host city, through homestays and just general hospitality. That established network of hospitable friends is one way Sister Cities is different than just going to another country as a regular tourist. There needs to be some substance to it. And I do think this is a problem with some Sister City relationships, is that if a city does it only to you know, to have a sister city partnership or for the mayor and other city officials to have travel opportunities. And um, it, it can be superficial. I don't think any of Nashville sister city relationships are superficial at this point. But we have had sister city relationships that, at least for a period of time, more or less existed on paper. It's the citizens that are responsible for making these partnerships substantial. The attention given, the creativity of the programs devised, and the fidelity to maintaining ties. That all takes time to develop. My trip over there couldn't have been more perfectly timed. Magdeburg was having a summit of sorts. A few days full of creative programming. They called it their twinning conference. 
All of Magdeburg's sister cities would be there to discuss various civic issues and exchange ideas. So you said how many sister cities? Magdeburg has seven sister cities throughout the world. This is Uwe Zachart. He was basically my fixer while I was there in Magdeburg. I'm responsible at the mayor's office for all sister cities' relationships uh, here of the city of Magdeburg. What are they? Uh, in Europe, it's Le Havre in France, Radom in Poland, Saporozhye in, at the Ukraine and uh, Sarajevo in Bosnia-Herzegovina and Brunswick in Germany. That's kept from the former times when Germany was still divided. And in the end of the 80s, they started to establish uh, sister, cities partner, sister city partnerships between the two German states. And so Magdeburg became the sister city of Brunswick in December 1987. The two other sister cities outside of Europe are Nashville, obviously, and Harbin, China. Harbin had a large art exhibition opening during the conference. Inside a large concrete Magdeburg TV station, there were Chinese dancers. A photography and painting exhibit lined the tall concrete walls called Brücken Fremde Flusse. That's German for Bridges of Foreign Rivers. During the formal introduction of the exhibit, there was a station with different headsets where you could listen to what people from Germany and China were saying in your own language. I think the fact that this was even offered highlights one of the best aspects of Sister Cities. All the effort and programming that goes into intentionally getting people from different backgrounds, cultures, and places talking and listening, sharing art. And there's nothing like Chinese food and German beer to unite a crowd. And um, uh, you can call me Harold if you want. We will start in a minute um, throughout the city of Magdeburg, a touristic tour. Uh, I'm on a double-decker bus with delegates from Magdeburg's other sister cities. It's a mild fall day. Several trains run through the heart of the city. We pass an open-air market in a town square. Cyclists and pedestrians meander along the Elbe River. I notice that Magdeburg has a different sense of time than Nashville does. You can see the long arc of history here, ancient cathedrals next to former East German buildings. This tour seems important for two reasons. One, in order to understand the people of a place, it helps to know their history. And two, one of the real-world things that Magdeburg is gleaning from Nashville is the power of the city brand to attract tourists. Nashville's brand is Music City, a massive and very intentional effort based in our city's history this worked out quite well. Nashville attracts almost 15 million visitors a year. Magdeburg is thinking about its brand, and one of the city's names is the city of Otto, O-T-T-O. That's because of two very important figures in its history. Uh, around the 10th century, from the 9th to 10th century, we had a very um, um, important ruler here called Otto the Great or Otto the First. He was the first Roman Saxonian Caesar and wanted to make Rome, uh, Magdeburg a third Rome. Um, he became Caesar because he defeated the Hungarians. He was crowned Caesar in Rome in uh, 962. And uh, the following years were very prosperous for Magdeburg. It became a very important medieval town. But Magdeburg's history is one of repeated devastation. It never quite became a third Rome. It was a wealthy medieval city full of merchants at one time. They even built the first Gothic cathedral in the country here. 
But that cathedral was the center of one of Magdeburg's most important and terrible events. During the Protestant Reformation, that Catholic cathedral converted to Protestantism. A century later, the Thirty Years' War broke out in Europe. This was a conflict between Catholics and Protestants, and Magdeburg did not fare so well. You should not remember, or you need not remember, any, any other date, I tell you, but please remember the 10th of May in 1631. Catholic, Catholic troops came here to conquer Magdeburg. There was a long siege, about three months. In the end, they managed to invade into the city, uh, set the city on fire, killed about 25,000 people. Only 5,000 people survived in the cathedral. And when they went, went away, only 250 people were left in the city. So Magdeburg didn't exist any longer. And it never recovered really from that incident in May 1631. And it was at this time in history where the second great Otto, O-T-T-O, of Magdeburg's history comes in. A guy named Otto von Guericke. There's a statue of him right outside the hotel where I'm staying. He was an engineer, scientist, inventor, beer brewer, a real renaissance man, literally. He was the city alderman at the time of this attack. He fled the city and then came back to it in ruins. Amidst a decimated population, he was elected mayor. He used his engineering background to rebuild the city, which became repopulated with Protestant refugees from Belgium and France. His interest in engineering and science led him to demonstrate a recent scientific understanding he had discovered. This would later become important to the sister city's relationship between Nashville and Magdeburg. Well, it's, it's kind of amazing. Otto von Guericke, to demonstrate that the atmosphere wasn't just a void, he removed the air from two metal hemispheres. All right, picture two copper halves of a sphere. One of them has a valve on it. Otto uses a pump to suck out all the air. And you have a vacuum. The two halves are stuck together. So in a dramatic flair to really get his point across, you got a team of draft horses together. And demonstrated that horses couldn't pull them apart. The crowd's amazed. And then Otto simply opens the valve, the air comes rushing back in, and he easily separates the two halves. And this experiment, um, uh, I transformed, translocated it to Nashville. This is Rudiger Koch again, the former mayor of Magdeburg. He's a short, smiley man with gray hair and thick-rimmed glasses. And we, we got horses from around Nashville with a, with a Tennessee walk. The cold blood horses with a Tennessee walk and steps. And... If you can't understand what he's saying, they got Tennessee walking horses. This is a certain type of horse trained to step a certain way. And, and we, we flew the, the hemispheres. <laughs> we took the hemispheres to Nashville. Did it work? It works. <laughs> they, 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 they don't separate the horses, okay. uh, but the child. The draft horses pulling in both directions couldn't separate these metal hemispheres. It was a great uh, performance. Uh. I mean, it was a festive kind of thing with, you know, the Nashville mayor and the Magdeburg mayor remembering the um, historical Magdeburg mayor of uh, Otto von Guericke. Another real-world partnership between the towns came about because of the American Civil Rights Movement. Now, in order to explain this connection, I think it's helpful to continue our tour of Magdeburg. Magdeburg. Everybody can understand me well? Magdeburg finally recovered from their destruction at the time of Otto von Guericke, but it took several hundred years, really until the early 1900s. 
Then Magdeburg was a boomtown, making heavy machinery and large plants and processing synthetic oil, which was really unfortunate for them when World War II came around. Magdeburg was a goal of the Allied uh, air um, uh, bombers because there was so many heavy machinery industry, like tanks or, or other things, and it, uh, this inner city again was destroyed up to 90%, up to 90%. After the war, Germany was split between the West and the East, democratic and socialist. And in the late 80s, the people of East Germany began gathering for massive demonstrations, protesting their socialist government, starting in Leipzig and spreading to Magdeburg. It was called the Peaceful Revolution, and it was one of the things that led to the fall of the Berlin Wall and the reunification of Germany. And there really was inspiration that the protesters and, and demonstrators in, at that time, East Germany, drew from the American Civil Rights Movement. So Nashville hosted a panel discussion in 2009. It was the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. It was at the Nashville Downtown Library, where veterans of the Nashville Civil Rights Movement and veterans of the nonviolent demonstrations of East Germany got together and shared their stories. To have people of that historical significance on stage um, and to be translating for them um, and facilitating a conversation um, is really, I, I would say that's probably still um, the high point of the, of the sister city relationship um, for me when I think back over it. Joel told me that hosting people in Nashville has an interesting effect. You start to see your own city through someone else's eyes. What's interesting is that happened to me at Nashville Days, the country music festival with the Johnny Cash of Germany, Heinrich Doc Wolf. When I first got there, I actually didn't have my recorder, so I got out my phone to record my thoughts. It's hard to put into words this place. Um, I'm at the Magdeburg Nashville Days, and what I'm noticing are a lot of cowboy hats. There are some Confederate flags, which is really strange, but I think, I think innocent, but I'm not totally sure. Um, they have a, um, like, shooting gallery, and that hammer thing where you have to hit the hammer and it flies up and hits the bell. They've got an American hamburger, and they're, like, selling whiskey, like Jack Daniels and Bullet, Four Roses, and Woodford Reserve. Um, I saw a cat with a straight-up mullet. I was in a caricature of Nashville. At first, I was a little disappointed, like, oh, this is what you think of where I'm from? But then I thought about how two years ago I went to Oktoberfest in Nashville, drunk Southerners in lederhosen yelling prost while they drink beer out of big gulps. This suddenly seemed quite fair. As for the Confederate flags, well, literally the first thing that happened at the festival involved that. You see, the guy in charge of the festival was named Christian. He was my contact. So when we first got there, we called him, and he told us to wait by the ticketing booth. He would meet us there. A few minutes later, a friendly, smiling fellow barrels toward us, holding a Confederate flag. He says, hello, in the way that most Germans do, introduces himself, and then says, excuse me, as he walks past us and hangs up the flag on the ticketing booth. Now, if you're not from the States, the Confederate flag is a controversial and divisive symbol. It's a symbol of racism and slavery. 
Some people say it's exclusively a symbol of American Southern heritage and pride, but many make the darker claim that it means both. So, straightening the top of the flag, Christian turns back toward us and says, Is this right? My wife and I had both just gotten off a long train ride and were so shocked and disoriented that I just nod and grunt out a very unconfident, sure. A little while after Christian showed me around the festival, I emailed Joel, my contact in the U.S., and asked him if I should say anything. He advised me to tell Christian that he should take it down, but that this was a Nashville problem, not a Magdeburg problem. He suggested many ways to make sure Christian didn't feel bad about the misunderstanding. Joel also pointed out that this was indeed a flag that Nashvillians have used in the past and even the present as a symbol of their identity. I called Christian and told him what the Confederate flag means to many in the U.S., that it's a symbol of white supremacy and racial oppression. Christian was clearly overwhelmed with all of his responsibilities at the festival and said, Oh, I never heard of that. I'll take it down. Later, when I got the chance to talk to Christian in person again, he elaborated. One of the vendors at the festival was selling cowboy hats, belt buckles, general country stuff. Christian told the vendor he wanted to buy some southern flags to hang up, to decorate the place. The man gave him three. An American flag, a Tennessee state flag, and a Confederate flag. Joel pointed out that he's never run across anything like this in 20 years, and that this just shows the importance of the partnership. I mean, some of the discussions between, you know, people from Magdeburg and people from Nashville naturally have also been about things that are more are more problematic. And so although the the idea of sister cities is idealistic, um, that doesn't, I think, mean that it's unrealistic. It was funny how bringing up my annoyance to a German about not being able to get a glass of tap water anywhere in the country led to talking about the massive influx of refugees into Germany and the perception of refugees in America. That led to talking about Trump and Merkel, religion, the history of the Third Reich in Germany, and the lingering legacy of slavery in America. These were the real-world things that came up in an honest person-to-person exchange. You know, most most of Sister Cities is it's kind of unproblematically positive, but I think in the context of those connections, there's also the possibility for deeper connection and deeper conversation. I know when we had 9-11, shortly after, I I remember some of the first calls I got to check on my well-being, and they were from our friends in Magdeburg. So I thought that was a good sign, you know, just a sign that, that, you know, that that people care about you. And there are things that have happened over the years, uh, the Nashville floods, for example, uh, the Magdeburg folks, uh, a, a, a jazz band, a rather unruly and funny jazz group over there raised three or $4,000 for the Nashville flood relief. And then we did the same thing. They had a flood, uh, gosh, 2012 or 13, and we had a church service and, uh, and, and raised money for them as well. So do sister cities work? I think yes, in small but meaningful ways, person to person. But here's the thing. Those interactions, they add up. 
Nashville has six other sister cities, all full of examples of the power of intentional exchange. In those places, most of them have several other sister cities of their own. And a person-to-person exchange suddenly looks bigger in a way that spreads all over the planet. And sometimes, even the most basic of stereotypes can be broken down inside Johnny Cash's car. Germans uh, think Americans always have that big hat, the Texan hat, right. and yeah, and uh, uh, vice versa. You 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 think everybody has these little holes of this. All right, more to come after the break. Carriette, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, you know. I'm hanging in there. How are you? I I'm doing well. Is your is your wrist and ankle all healed up? Yes, they're doing good. My ankle is, I would say, 99% better. And my wrist, I'm going to give it an 80. So, you know, I'm getting there. The wrist is a long haul. That's going to be like a year before I'm before I'm back to as normal as it's going to get. Ouchies. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. If 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 you can avoid shattering your wrist, I would definitely do that. I have I have a hundred percent track record of avoiding shattering my wrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it up. So, so we got a little prompt here today. Uh, okay. And I'm going to ask it to you first. Tell me about a time when a neighbor took care of you or helped you, or vice versa, where you did you did it to somebody else. What you got? Uh, okay. Well, we um, have a lovely neighbor called Linda, who um, actually, fun fact, Linda's grandfather, she's from this area, and her grandfather actually built the house that we rent. And um, oh, wow. she showed me a picture of her sitting on our porch um, as with her grandfather when she was like three. It was super cute. Oh, cool. So, so her family still own the house next door. And so she uh, moved back in there a couple of years ago. And um, she went away on vacation recently. And she asked us to feed this little stray cat that she has been um, feeding uh, on her porch. So we did that hmm. for her um, for a few days while she was out of town. And it is so sweet she is so sweet she looks after this like very elderly stray cat who has lost a bunch of hair and like one of its legs don't work and it's so deaf that he can't hear you coming to put the food down and just kind of <laughs> seems to live in her fenced in yard area um and we had never met that cat before and it was just so sweet that she takes care of him um and we were happy to help her with that. So so that's a recent thing uh, that uh, that we did to help our neighbor Linda. How about you? Awesome. Well, I was going to tell a story about basically how um, people have taken care of us uh, 
with cars. <laughs> so like yes. I've never owned a new car. I've never had a car payment. We've always just paid cash for cars. Uh-huh. And um, recently, uh, because of some medical debt and various things, our son was in the hospital, yada, yada. We just did not have a lot of money and we were having car troubles. And I just reached out, casting a wide net to people I know, like, is anybody selling a mm-hmm. car for cheap? Um, and basically, we got a response saying that there was somebody that was looking specifically to give away a car for free. Um, and so it's this 2001, I believe, Suburban, Chevy Suburban giant thing. But it was given to us for free. Um, I've got to say, we... you've got a way better neighbor's story than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was just like amazing. I just and, like, fed this I lady's mean, cat, okay? I didn't get a free yeah. car. <laughs> it is. It is amazing. No, it. I. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, it is truly, truly. Uh, I mean, it was huge for us. But then, um, our other car was also on its way out, um, and we had some dear, dear friends sadly move to Virginia, um, mm-hmm. and they're moving in with family, and that family has like nine cars at their like little compound out there or something. And they were like, hey, why don't you just have our car? Um, and so we were given in, in like the span of six months, two cars. Um, Dude, that's insane. That's insane. And, and this is, you have too many cars. It is absolutely insane. And so, so we sold this other car that was on its way out for very little money. Um, and we're actually going to give away the Suburban to somebody else um, this week. So we, we're going back down to one car which is totally fine for my family. That's I work really nice. in the backyard anyway uh, in mm-hmm. a studio. So, um, yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, there's something about, you know, y- this like your neighbor, Linda, takes care of a cat, invites you into that. And often people think of that kind of thing as like a burden or a sacrifice, but it also like fosters and grows new relationships and new connections. And it's just, it's just good. Um, to, to yeah. see a need, fill a need, and 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 uh, connect with people. So, yeah, I, totally. Yeah. If you'd like to contribute your voice to the show and tell us how a neighbor is taking care of you, or you've taken care of a neighbor, you can do that two ways. You can record a voice memo on your phone and send it to neighborspodcast at gmail dot com, or we've got this new thing now, just straight up on our website, neighborspodcast dot com. At the bottom, there's a little microphone. You just click on that, type in your name, and you can record straight through your computer um, right there. And it goes right right to, to me. <laughs> it's great. Just um, like magic. It is like magic. So you can uh, get your voice here on this here podcast and um, tell us your own story. Thank you to the members of The Neighborhood on Patreon. If you want to support the show and help us tell stories about connecting to the humans around you, throw us a few bucks at patreon.com forward slash neighbors. You can join our kind, intelligent and thoughtful community there, as well as get a few extra things. Our sonic logo is from Dallas Taylor and DeFacto Sound. Check out his podcast, 20,000 Hertz. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions, and this song is by Dan Burns. And lastly, I do want to thank, very special thanks to Rosie Forrest, who helped me initially edit that Sister City story. 
Neighbours is hosted and produced by me. And me. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts because writing one on the bathroom stall at a Waffle House would be slightly less helpful. Although I do have to say more intriguing. Definitely. I'm Jacob Lewis. And I'm Cariad Harmon. And we're reminding you to get, get to, to know, know your, your neighbours. Especially at a Waffle House. Take them to Waffle House. Get a cup of coffee and go to a Waffle House. Ha, 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 ha.